0: And this is where ChiliPad by SleepMe comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me/ftl to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offers exclusively available for the Love Listeners only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep, that's S-L-E-E-P, dot M-E slash F-T-L because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead.
1: You've survived, you've done a great job. I want you to grab on to the hope that something good is around the corner, that something good is, is for you in this next year.
0: Welcome to the For The Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. Today, we're gonna say goodbye to 2020 and receive a blessing for the new year with minister and activist, C.C. Jones Davis. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. I am such a grateful girl to think of how many of you have journeyed with the show all of 2020, this whole year. Thank you for sticking. Thank you for staying. I can't wait to turn the corner with you into 20. 21. So here we are at the end of this weird year. Honestly, I'm not even sure what to say about it. There obviously is no possible way to wrap this up neatly in a bow. I'm actually reminded of something that writer Zora Neale Hurston said. She wrote, there are years that ask questions and years that answer them. For the most part, this was for me, a year of questions. And I know for a lot of you too, like a million questions flying at us all at once. And I don't know what 2021 is going to hold, honestly. I don't know if it'll be another year of questions or if we might get a few answers. I don't know if we'll find a little bit of resolution, a little bit of closure. I'm not sure. Here's what I know at the end of this year I'm here. I'm here. I made it. I lived. I have my kids and I have my friends. I have my family. I have you. I have Jesus. And in the midst of everything that is happening, I discovered that those things are enough. And so today I wanted to take just a moment to recognize where we are, what we've come through this year together, collectively. I also want us to cast our eyes to the horizon, to begin looking at the year ahead of us. I want to suggest that we allow ourselves to choose hope. Hmm. And to believe that our lives will be filled with joy in the coming year, maybe a little bit more clarity and laughter and few more days when we feel like I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay right now. And so I wanted to have a really special leader on the show today to help guide and pastor our thoughts here. And so I could not be more delighted to welcome back one of our favorite guests of 2020, back to the show, reverend and speaker and activist, C.C. Jones-Davis. C.C. is an ordained minister. She's a justice advocate, as well as an advocate for women and girls. She's also a worship leader. She has a beautiful new album coming out in January, which we'll talk about. Also, just a little fun fact, C.C. is a member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. And you know who else is? Madam Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. That's just... A good little tidbit of news. But today, Cece is going to put on her minister hat, her pastor hat, and she's going to help us bid goodbye to a weird and hard year so that we can welcome in the next one, whatever it may hold for us. She is joyful. She is so wise and good. She's pure and genuine. I'm so happy to have met Cece in 2020. Definitely a bright spot. And I can't think of somebody better to have in here in the last episode of the year. So thank you for being here today and every day. I'm so grateful to share my conversation with the brilliant and lovely Cece Jones Davis. I was just saying to you, CC, that I'm so happy that you're here and that not just my whole community, but just me personally gets to sit under your spiritual leadership today. Thank you so much.
1: Wow, Jen. Listen, you know, it's always an honor, you know, to, to be invited into people's sacred space. And I really consider your podcast sacred space for a lot of us. And so I'm grateful. Thank you.
0: Yeah, for me too. For me as well. It feels like church to me sometimes. So, last episode of the year, what a year. Every single person on the earth has seen a lot of change this year and a lot of suffering and a lot of grief. I wonder, and really, we were just talking about this before we recorded, but in your life, if we can start there with you and then we'll branch out, what kind of like big changes have you seen in your own world?
1: Oof, wow. Jen, it has been so much. So this time last year, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I actually was diagnosed on Christmas Eve of last year. So this year for me required surgery. It required me to get on a medication that I'll be on the rest of my life. And being a person who can barely take a vitamin, that is a real challenge for me. You know, I'm not one of those people that get up in the morning. The first thing I think of is pop your pill, you know. And so I think starting my year off that way with a major surgery, learning what it is to be living without a thyroid, what that's been about, and then just committing to the discipline of popping the pill that's going to, like, help me out for the rest of my life has been a really big thing. Huge. Huge. But, you know, aside from that, of course, I have to tell, you know, the same COVID story that everybody is telling, which is, you know, that, you know, I've been... I had to return to fourth grade with my daughter as a homeschooler. You know, I did not realize how much I had forgotten from the fourth grade. Until so real. And so I've been in fourth grade with my daughter, Halo, as a homeschooling mama and trying to keep a four-year-old little boy alive at the same time and trying to keep my, my finger on the pulse of the work I feel like God has called me to do outside of my home. And I know there's been a lot of parents who've been struggling in this season to figure out what to do with kids and how to homeschool them, if they should go back to school, you know, all these kinds of things. And so as a parent, I've been, you know, in the midst of all of that as well. But, you know, I have also found that even in this really hard season, there's been a lot of fruit that's been produced. I've been working on this death penalty case in Oklahoma for a young man named Julius Jones, you might not have heard him about him from me. You might have heard about him from Kim Kardashian and some others. But that has caught a fresh wind in this COVID season. And I think that's been extraordinary because people have been able to st- have time to kind of stop and listen and pay attention in a way that most of the time we don't have a lot of time to do. So there's been a lot of fruit there. You know, I was ordained as a minister in the Disciples of Christ Church. So it's kind of this year has also been about me returning to mainline denominational roots that I had been away from for a very long time. And so being ordained in a tradition has been a beautiful, rigorous experience for me. And my ordination service was uh, mostly over Zoom, like all my family members had to participate. And, you know, at the end, when they like place lay like, hands on you, you know, everybody was like stretching their hand toward the screen. And I I worried that that wouldn't feel as sacred or as powerful, you know, not having people in the room, but man, I was wrong. It was so powerful. And I don't think it could have been anymore. If people were in the room, it could not have been any more beautiful to me. And so, that happened this year. And then, you know, as I was saying to you before, I moved to a new city. You know, I just got here two days ago at the end of this year, and I'm trying to figure out what life looks like in a new place, in a new house, in a new school district. You know, and I'm I'm scared about that, but I'm I'm fascinated at the same time and eager and excited about that. And there's been so much those are just a few things, a few ways that change kind of you know it looks like for me right now.
0: when I think back over twenty twenty obviously, I mean we've spilled so much ink on this, but this year has brought so much stress that has been layered on top of the normal stress that we all already have, and we're tired, just collectively really tired and weary and sometimes it can be hard to imagine, to envision that that degree of stress and exhaustion could even serve a purpose. But I have heard you say, things don't change until we're tired. It's really an interesting sentence that makes me think that really my wheels are spinning on that idea. Can you talk more about that and maybe more also about your stressors, how they affect you and what changes you have seen kind of at the end of that rope when you're tired?
1: You know, change doesn't happen until we get tired. And whether we're talking about groups of people or us as individuals, you know, we don't commit to, for example, losing weight until we get tired of how we feel. Look or whatever, right? The civil rights movement didn't hold until, you know, people got tired of saying they had to sit on the back of a bus. They got tired. And so weariness is oftentimes a catalyst, right? Weariness of soul, oftentimes the edge. I mean, if you look at human history, I think it proves that tiredness is useful. If we decide, not not if we grow weary and then stop, but if we grow weary and then keep moving forward, but moving forward in a better direction, a new direction, a new strategy, a new way of understanding, a new way of thinking. But no good thing ever happens for us, especially communally, if, if we don't get tired. That ideal concept makes me really hopeful, actually, Jen, for the moment that we're living in, so many of us, black, white, everything else, are tired, tired of the rhetoric, tired of the hatefulness. It's been hard to live through for all of us, but it also makes me extremely hopeful because it we're at the brink. And I'm hoping that we're at the brink of something so much more, the brink of something that makes us better people. I'm thinking that most of us are ready to shed. You know how Snake sheds. I have that feeling that so many of us are ready to shed what we've always known and embrace something different, embrace something new. I have never seen people more willing to listen. I have never seen people more willing to learn what they have not known than right now. And I think that's powerful, but that, that kind of decision comes when people are tired in their souls of the way that things have been. Now, in terms of kind of about my own, you know, about stress, right? And my own stresses, first of all, we understand that stress really is, you know, is pressure. Stress is tension. And in my life, the tension has been around living in such an actively racist country. Tension has been around raising children, Black children, in an actively racist country. Tension has been around raising children in an age of COVID and trying to keep them and safe at the same time. So many people are living in that tension and that stress right now. What are some of the other tensions? Some of the other tensions of my life have been about determining the balance between how much of myself I give and how much I save. Me too. Right. Especially in monumental moments in human history like this, you know, you feel like you got to throw everything at the wall, you know what I mean? Because if you're not, then heck, what are you doing?
0: So let's parse that forward just a hair, because you wrote something one time that was really profound. You said, when you reflect back on the years you've lived, I imagine it's easy to see the stretch marks in time, those little moments that might have been painful, but led to great personal growth and development. I love looking at it that way, these stretch marks as a sign of growth. And 2020 has held so many of those, but as a sign of potential growth, not a sign of weakness or defectiveness, or I was unable to handle it, or I'd like to hear from you. How do you think we begin to learn not only to accept these stretch marks in time, as you call it, but embrace them, celebrate them, find hope inside of them, even use them. Cause hindsight is one thing, but so many of us are sitting in the stretch right this second. And so how would you lead us to consider that? And especially even as it pertains to like our faith and, and where does that play in?
1: I think we have to start thinking like what's beautiful is surviving struggle. What's beautiful is living to tell our stories. You know, what's beautiful is surviving heartbreak. What's beautiful is not anymore about perfection or pristineness, if that is a word, but what's really beautiful is living to tell a story and then allowing that story to inspire others to survive the lives that they are living. Mm. I think you know that people are not helped when we posture.
0: That's
1: right. People are not helped when we, you know, put on a mask and pretend like everything is okay when it's not. Jen, I think that your life is such an example of that right now because of how transparent you have been about what you're going through in your life right now. And I haven't been through what you're going through, but God it gives me fuel to store. Gives me fuel to store, to hear you share your story about wh- where you are, how you're doing, how you're feeling. I store that. I store your story as fuel in my life in case I need it one day. Because if Jen Hatmaker can make it, if Jen Hatmaker gave us the real deal about what it was like and what to expect and how hard it is, and how to find joy in the midst. If Jen Hatmaker could make it, then then doggone it, I can make it too. And so what's beautiful is not people posturing, but people being honest, real, and authentic. And that is exactly what stress marks are. You are pushed to the limit when you, your body is pushed to the limit. When, when you experience the ups and downs, the flows of humanity, the ins and outs literally, your body produces stretch marks. And I think we have to start seeing spiritually and otherwise, we have to start seeing stretch marks, the stretch marks of our souls as the beautiful maps that have that tell a story and that help to pave a way to where it is we're going next. It's about being not perfect. It's about being real. It's about being authentic. It's about being truthful because that's the stuff that's that's going to help people like all this other stuff. And especially Jen, the stuff that I know you and I kind of glean from so much in the church cultures we grew up in or were a part of, you know, this whole thing about denying what's real and not talking real that sucks. Yeah, it does. We can't promote that kind of thing anymore. And we've got to demonstrate differently with our lives. And that's what you're doing, Jen. I really want to encourage you. You're killing the game. Thank you for the ways in which you've opened up your life, your life to the rest of us, because not just me, there's people out there. Your story has given us fuel so that we can keep going.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you for telling me that
0: I, as you're saying that, and, I was just thinking in my mind of all the other people's stories I stored. Did not know that I was going to need to pull from them so dramatically, refer to them, lean on them, draw strength from them. But I'm so happy for the people who did that in front of me, who lived a courageous loss in front of other people. And you're right. It just seeds our community with, strength and courage and possibility and hope. It really, really does. And I thank you so much for saying that, Cece. I appreciate you telling me that. One of the hardest things about 2020 is this sense that so much of our choice was taken away. I know pragmatically, we don't actually have as much control as we think we do or wish we had or actually have especially like when something like a pandemic hits, we really, it's an illusion, but there has been so much. We have not been able to do this year things we would have chosen. And we simply could not, we didn't have the the chance to. So it feels like we have been forced really to just sit in this like cauldron of waiting and longing and frankly, resentment indefinitely. And there's nothing we can do to change it. And so I'd love to hear your perspective here as a pastor. And you and I discussed this the first time you were on the show. You are deeply involved in justice work for people who are literally waiting. They are waiting for their actual lives to be returned to them. How do we do this? Like, how do we sit in this painful place of longing, waiting? Is there a way to start living life even here? Even here, not just saying it's all on pause until things get better, but like even here.
1: You know, Jen, I preached a sermon not too, too long ago called Winning, Waiting, and Weeping. I really found that, I really continue to find that when I'm waiting, the best place for me to to be, the best thing for me to do is to situate myself in the presence of God. That's loaded language for a lot of people in a lot of ways, and I understand that. And so, situating yourself in the presence of God can look differently for a lot of people. As a worship leader, I find the presence of God a lot in music, right? Right. And we find examples of people who were waiting, and so we know we're not alone. We we saw Hannah waiting, right? In First Samuel chapter one, we saw her waiting and longing. For a baby to to come. We saw a woman waiting. We heard the worshipper David say, I would have fainted. I would have given up. I would have thrown in the towel. I would have chucked deuces and got out of here if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, right? And he will strengthen your heart. What I want people to understand about waiting is that waiting is not passive. Waiting is the soul's active, patient state. That is the birth canal for deliverance, waiting. Waiting is the birth canal for deliverance. Waiting is definitely, I have found, not a sport for pansies. Like you are not a weakling when you are waiting. You are trying to hold back your own insertion. But waiting is a firm and excellent assuring that while Something is hanging in the balance. God is in control. And, you know, we have examples. Of course, we have what David said. We have what Hannah's life looked like. We have also the children of Israel who waited 400 years. We have the stories of enslaved people in the United States or in in America who waited for 260 plus years and beyond and are still waiting in a lot of ways, so so, what do we do about waiting? You know, in my opinion, it takes a lot of courage to wait. It takes yes, it a lot does. Of stamina to wait. It takes a lot of faith to wait. And you know, what we see throughout human history is that people in waiting find really creative ways to process the pain of delay, because delay is painful. We write, we sing, we pray we draw, we build culture, we create cuisines while we're waiting. We create worlds within worlds when we wait. What do we do when we wait? We, we do what we can. Like I said, we create worlds. We laugh, we pray, we sing, we cook, we commune while we wait. And so waiting is not passive. And there's always something to do, something to create while we are waiting for our kingdom to come, while we are waiting for deliverance to happen. There is always something creative that we can put our minds, our hands to that will then come along with us. You know, I'm reminded of Miriam, who was a part of the Children of Israel. In Egypt. And when she was moving along on the path to her deliverance to the promised land, which she brought some things with her. She brought her tamarine. You know, who in the world brings a tambourine when you're running from Pharaoh? But Mary did why? Because she had created a world within the world. She created something that could allow her and her people to sustain and to be sustained and to survive the unsurvivable. That's what we do when we wait. We create and bring along things that help us to maintain our minds, our bodies, our souls, things that feed us and give us strength. So there's a lot to do while we wait. And so we just have to figure out what what it is we need to be doing.
0: I love that answer. I love that thought. I actually love that. I haven't heard anybody really say that before. When they counsel us on how to wait well, it's almost all internalized, internal levers to pull. I love that you gave us creativity, creation, innovation, art as a place to go. Like, I was really hopeful. And I'm a doer. And so that's, I think that's why I liked it. I'm like, yes, let's create some cuisine. Yes, let's get some risotto up in here. That's why you're a pastor right there. That's why. That's why I just gave a little mini sermon. I wonder what you are when you think about turning the corner into a new year. We have some really big seismic changes going on culturally. You know, we're going to welcome in a new administration. We're looking at a vaccine, not one, but two right now. You know, it's just, these are big, big things coming down the pike for 2021 that seem to suggest to us that, change is possible and change is coming even. What are you looking forward to? What are, what are your hopes for 2021? If you just got to say, all right, right, I'm," this is my dream board or whatever people call it. This is what I'm pinning to the board as my highest and best vision for this next year.
1: Yeah, the first thing is that I'm so looking forward to people being healthy again. Me too. So looking forward to... Not having that thing on the side of CNNs, it's keeping the toll, you know, of the the death toll. And I say that, honestly, I'm so looking forward to people being healthy. again. Sure, me too. My family has not been personally touched by COVID, but just, you know, reading and hearing the stories of people and what they've been through uh, with this pandemic has been heartbreaking for me. I'm looking forward to people gaining a level of sanity, yeah, you know. Politically and socially, these last four or five years, whatever it's been, man, it's been something that I just—I would have never thought we would have got gotten here. I just, I, I, there, there was some some naive part of myself that just never thought that things could be in terms of rhetoric and morale, and you know, just never thought we could be here in 2020. You know, but here is where we've been. And so, what I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that politically and socially we can turn a page. I'm excited to the boring. I'm excited for the boring. I need the boring. I'm looking forward to us maybe getting culturally or socially back in a place where at least we don't hate each other yeah, again. Hmm. And we disagree. We come from different places and we don't understand. There's been such a visceral expression of hate. I want us to turn that page so bad. I want to get back to the ground. I want to get back to the ground as a person with bare feet. I want to get back to the ground to remember what is most important in this life. I want to get back to the ground where I realize how fortunate, even in in the circumstances that my life does face, how fortunate I still am. I want to get back to the ground where I realize that somebody somewhere is saying a very hard, unfortunate goodbye to somebody they love while we sit here and bicker and argue and hate each other. And I want to remember what's important again. I don't want to get back to a center. I don't want us getting back to a center. I want us going all the way to the ground, remembering that the grass under our feet, the ground under our feet, we could not create we're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as good as we think we are. We're not as amazing as we think we are. And I think we are those things, but we but we've taken arrogance to another level as humans in this time and I want us I want us to remember again that we are dust. We didn't even form the dust, we came from it though. And getting back there in some kind of way, that's extremely important to me right now.
0: Beautiful. Now just take it back to the ground. That's so good. Oh, I just, I'm so with you on everything you just said. I want to be hopeful. And as a leader, you're a leader, I'm a leader. It makes me sit and think with a lot of intention and a deep sense of responsibility. What do we do? You know, what do we do? How do we begin to help create that world we're craving. And, you know, how do we lead our people well? And how do we make spaces where love can reign again? How do we make spaces that are close to the ground, like in your beautiful language? And I don't have all the answers to that yet. I I can't, I can't quite find it, but I'm asking those questions because I'm with you. We've got to find a new way. We're so hurt and we're hurting and we're hurting each other. I loved your list of hope. I share every single one on there. I want to talk to you about this too, Cece, because you are one of the most talented people that I know. You're a minister, you're a speaker, you're an advocate, like a really profound one at that. And then on top of those huge roles, you're a gorgeous singer and worship leader. And so you have a new album called Alive, live. I think it's the perfect thing to meet us where we are right now. What a service, what a ministry to the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about it, the inspiration behind all of it, even the creation of it? I'd love to hear you talk about
1: it. You know, I really started ministry as a singer and as a worship leader. So music has always been, you know, the major language of my heart. I've always said I'm a person with one voice, but three expressions. I'm an artist, I'm an advocate, I'm a preacher, right? But the artist side of me is really what keeps me alive. It keeps me alive and it keeps me hopeful. Art just does that for people. You know, it, cult- it cultivates the best of us, the best in us, you know? And so I've been working at this album for quite a while as a lot of artists, indie artists out there will understand. I've been working at this for quite a while. And so I'm so glad that it's coming out. It's going on pre-sale on iTunes on December the 29th, and it hits everything. It really comes out on uh, January the 5th. And the album is really a compilation of contemplation. It's really seven songs that I've written that are me talking to God about how I want my heart to be better, about you know what I'm declaring in a particular moment. As every artist understands, you know, we create to put it out. You know, most of us don't create just to hold it in. There's a the, we are compelled to create and then and then put share it, put it out. And so I'm really excited to share alive. And I named it alive because the title track says, "He's alive in me. He's alive in me, Jesus alive, God is alive in me." And that has been and particularly all of my social justice work that has the refrain of my heart over and over again. He is alive in me. And so I can do the hard thing. He's alive in me. and So I can press in and go into the valley of the shadow of death. He's alive in me. He's with me. And so that empowers me to believe that God can use my life to be light in some way, right? And so alive is, is the title track. But also in this moment, Jen, when, when there's we've, we've had so much death around us, I wanted to declare something for this new season for all of us. I wanted to declare life. I wanted to declare that, that God, yes, is alive in us. And there's so much to look forward to. I don't know what it is. I don't know what this new year is going to bring us. But doggone it, there's so much to look forward to. And I come from a faith tradition where, you know, we put stuff in the atmosphere. We just speak life and hope that from one of these little seven songs, you know, other people would catch on and will be blessed in some way. And I hope that's what it does. Ugh, I can't wait to have it.
0: Thank you for doing the heavy lifting of creating that and put, putting into the world when you have so many other things that you put your hand to. I'm, it's so true that something about art, something about music, it just does something nothing else can do. It, it reaches a place that just spoken words can't get to. And it, it just is its own brand of healing that's to me unduplicated. And so I just cannot wait To have that, to put that in the hands of our community, I'm thrilled about it. Okay, this is the question, you know, we ask at the end of the episode, but I already asked you this the last time you were on, we were talking about Julius. By the way, everybody listening, I'll link to our first conversation so that you can go back and pick that up. Cause I definitely want you to hear that story and know how you can be involved in that. But, you know, we always ask Barbara Brown Taylor's question, what's saving your life right now? And last time I asked you just a couple months ago, you said vitamin therapy, which I just loved with all my heart. <laughs> and I didn't know it was a thing and now I do. And you're officially the only person that's ever said that on the show. And so now I'm wondering here at the end of the year, what's saving your life right now?
1: So it's another really, really practical thing, but it's havenly.com, H-A-V-E-N-L-Y.com. So as I'm moving into a new home, like I'm the worst at like trying to figure out what furniture goes where, interior design. We talked about stress earlier, that's stress. Well, this website allows you to kind of hire somebody that you never even see and you take the measurements of a room and you let them loose on the internet and you're like, send me stuff that I can put in a room. And that's what they do. Isn't that the craziest? So like you spend just a little bit of money, you get a consultant, interior designer consultant who like looks at your room and then says, okay, this can go here. This is what color would work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm just checking things off. And so as a person that has a lot on my plate right now, that's kind of saving me right now. I'm a
0: hundred percent going to go look at that website. It
1: is incredible. It's incredible.
0: So like practically do you upload pictures of your actual room? Like this is the furniture also that I have.
1: Or or I was taking pictures of the empty rooms yesterday. Right. And so from every angle I uploaded them. And so she's going to work some magic and like call me back and say, voila, yes. Like do this, do that, sit this here. And guess what, Jen, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Whatever you are is precisely what I will do. And that's the saving my life.
0: Right. We don't need a toggle with her recommendation. Just plug it in, plug it right in to the house and be done with it. We can't do everything. We just cannot. Havenly has got to do some of it. (laughs) So heavy lifting. (laughs) Okay. I'm wondering, as we close this episode, the last episode of the year, would you mind, would you lead us in a prayer just to kind of, say goodbye to 2020 and welcome in 2021 and all of its complexities and nuance and loss and gain and suffering and hope and just all of it. Could you
1: do that for us? Before I pray, Jen, I want to just say thank you again. And I just want to say to your audience, our family members, that you've done good. You've made it. you made it another year. You've made it through a lot
0: of downs.
1: I want you to grab on to the hope that something good is around the corner that something something good is is for you in this next year. You've survived you've done a great job. I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. I give glory to God for your very last. thank God. Despite what you might have been facing, what you might have been through, you are still standing. You are still here. You are still alive. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for pressing on. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for standing the test of time. Thank you. Thank you for holding on. Because it's hard to hold on sometimes. Thank you for holding on. And my prayer to you, for you today, is that, that you would know things and take things into the new year that that would blow your mind, that you would have a peak going into this new year that would blow your mind, That your family would be restored, that your family would be made new, that whatever is broken would be mended by the grace of God. So I just wanted to speak directly to your your audience and now have a, a word of prayer. Thank you. Eternal and all wise God, we come today to you because you are full of grace and truth. Eternal and all wise, God, you are full of love and mercy and we are alive because your spirit lives within us. God, we don't have to tell you how hard it's been because you know. We don't have to tell you, God, how many heartaches we've been through, how many difficulties we have faced, God, because you know. And we reflect on the year of hard things. We reflect on the year of waiting, a year of loss, and as we reflect, we are grateful for how you have brought us over. It is really in you that we live, move, and have our very being. God, we reflect with grateful and racing hearts. After all that we have lost, we have not lost you. After all that we have lost, we have not lost ourselves. And when we have lost You brought us back to ourselves. We have not lost hope. So God, would you do us a favor? We ask you if you would help us to remember this pain. Would you help us to remember the lessons? Would you help us to carry with us forward the disappointments? God, we await a brand new year With very deep relief, we sigh into this new year. We take deep breaths into this new year as ones who have run a very long distance. God, we cross over this finish line only to begin a new lap and a lap that is full of curves and corners that we do not know yet. Laps that are full of ups and downs, dark places and light places that we are unfamiliar with, but you were there. We thank you for faith to believe that this running is still worth it. That good things, God, are around the corner. God, would you do something with us in this coming year that makes life better for other people? Would you do something in us so deep that reminds us to have joy, even when we are waiting? By faith, we believe that the best is yet to come to us and to our neighbors. We declare that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God all said together, Said, Amen. Um,
0: Thank you. Beautiful, okay just love you. Love you. And I hope to see you soon. Okay. Me too. Thanks, Cece. Bye. And that is a wrap. That's a wrap. It's a wrap on 2020 at the For the Love podcast. I'm so grateful to Cece for her leadership and her What her preaching, because that we got some preaching in there. So she just took us straight to church. I want you to know that Laura and Amy and Abby and the podcast team and Amanda and I, we so sincerely love you. We're so grateful for you, for this space. I'm grateful to every guest we had on the show in 2020. I mean, talk about an all-star lineup. I just can't even believe it. What a beautiful place where we have talked about important things. We've had Challenging conversations and discussions. We've laughed together, we've cried together, we've prayed together. I think we've learned together. We've grown together. I'm just, the podcast community is very, very, very special, very precious to me and the whole team. And we love you. And it really is our honor to serve you. And so thank you for being with us this year. And we have so much in store for next year. You just can't even believe it. So many big dreams, big ideas, incredible guests, important conversations. We're going to come in hot. So with all of our love, Thanks for being here today and see you next time.